All right, social media family. Thank you once again for joining us for another installment of A Better Way to Pray. Now, we are on lesson 12 tonight. Lesson 12. And the subtitle is The Primary Purpose of Prayer. The Primary Purpose of Prayer. Now, if that's the subtitle, let me well let me just throw this out there to in, in the very beginning. Now everybody at this table, I think they're gonna get the right answer, but we, we we'll see. All right. So if I were to ask you what the primary purpose of prayer is, what would you say? Communion, fellowship. Okay. Communion, fellowship. All right. All right, Mason. I'm gonna put you on the spot, man. You agree with that? Um, <laughs> yeah, probably talking to God. That's good. That's good. Now, communion, talking to God. Now, if for us to have a conversation, for it truly to be a conversation, what has to happen? You have to get something back. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's right. That's right. So that means our prayer time is not just a monologue where we're talking to him, but he talks back to us. And I think that that part is the part that we're lacking the most. Because we used to run our mouth. We can talk. <laughs> we can talk. But it's that listening that we definitely can can grow in. All right. So let me let's go to Matthew chapter 6 Matthew chapter 6 right. now we're going to look at a very familiar parable but I'm going to start a little a little earlier in the chapter we'll go to verse 19 19 and go down to verse 24 and I'll read that in the New Living Translation. And it reads this way. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever you, your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved by money. Now, I'm going to read verse 24 in the Amplified. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than God. Or more than the Lord. 
Now, I'm looking at verse 19. He says, don't store up your treasures on earth. Why is this such an important instruction here? Because that's all you'll be thinking about. That's what most people do. Spend their lives. Yeah. Getting more and more and more and more. Buying renting storage units. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you fill up the basement first, and then you get a storage <laughs> unit and fill that up. Mm. Because it can, it's so basically it can consume you then, mm -hmm. right? And just looking at looking at things from a, you know practically, right? Now, obviously, are we saying that there's something wrong with having riches or being living in abundance? Mm -mm. No, stuff is good if it comes from Him. Yeah. So stuff is good if it comes from Him. That's right. But we can get stuff outside of. His assistance mm -hmm. by the sweat of our brow, but you know, I'm I'm thinking about what we were talking about earlier. We we're talking about overtime and stuff like this, right? Now, if I'm consumed with the treasures of earth, then I'm going to be driven to do what? Work all the time. To work all the time. Mm -hmm. <coughs> or either steal all the time, <laughs> or do a, you know do other illegal things all the mm -hmm. time, right? Because, see, people think that if a person is not working a nine-to-five job or some legit, they can go out here in the underworld and, you know, do a little, little something here. They'll sell a little bit of this and sell a little bit of that and get riches. But people don't understand that the principle of sowing and reaping, the principle of sowing effort and time into things, you're not going to overstep that because the people that are the bosses and whatnot, they are thinking about new ways to scheme and steal and, and set traps for people 24-7. So the principle of, of sowing your time is, is there. Now, we have Jesus giving us a course correction here. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth. Where moth, moths eat them and, and rust destroys them. Where thieves break in and steal. Because if all of my, my purpose is wrapped around gathering stuff. If I'm talking to God about gathering stuff. And I lose that stuff or don't get that stuff. How is that going to affect me? Mm-hmm. In verse 21 it says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Now, we're talking about prayer. And I want to look at verses 22 and 23. Now, I'm going to read this in the Amplified. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is clear, spiritually perceptive, your whole body will be full of life, full of light, benefiting from God's precepts. 
But if your eye is bad, spiritually blind, your whole body will be full of darkness, devoid of God's precepts. So if the very light inside you, your inner soul, your heart, your conscience is darkness, how great and terrible is that darkness? So we're talking about spiritual perception. Like how, how am I, what lens am I looking at things through? Am I looking at it through the lens of God's word or am I looking at it through the natural lens of my physical eyes and the natural courses of life, philosophies of men, the ideologies of men? Because if I am basing my reality on the ideologies of men, then what am I going to get? I'm going to get the fruit of the ideologies of the men. Which is based around the flesh. And Jesus said the flesh profiteth nothing. All right, now before we go to verse 25, I'm going to jump on the outline. So prayer is simply communion with God, involving fellowship, relationship, and intimacy with him. Prayer is both talking and listening. It must be a two-way dialogue. It says most teaching on prayer today centers on how to request and receive from God, while asking and receiving is one purpose of prayer. It is not the purpose of prayer. Now look at, look at point D. It says, when we seek first God's kingdom by loving, worshiping, and fellowshipping with him, we'll soon discover that we don't have as many needs and that things are supernaturally added to us. Mm -hmm. now let's, point D. When we seek first God's kingdom by loving, worshiping, and fellowshipping with him, Why is this such a, it seems like it should be elementary, but why is it oftentimes difficult in the night, just practically speaking, for us to, to walk this out? Well, you have the other verses that say you have not because you ask not. And then it says that those things that you need, Father knows what you need, but ask him anyway. So you have to find the balance of, I don't like that word balance, but the right perspective between mm -hmm. not asking and asking. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, now you're going to, you, you, you tempted me to go off on a tangent because I want to, I want to hear why you don't like that word balance. Because some things aren't meant to be balanced. <laughs> okay. All right. I can see where you're going. I can see where you're going. Because sometimes the word balance has compromise mixed in with it. Okay. Yeah. Balancing a little spirit with a little flesh, mm -hmm. a little, a, a little, a little faith with a little, um, little just a little unbelief. Not, not, not too much, but just a little bit of unbelief. Right. And see, and oh man, I don't, I don't want to go off on that tangent, but I'm, I'm yeah. Okay. In, in the context of prayer. Because that's a good point. 
because Jesus does say you have not. You know, the word says you have not because you ask not. But as we're going into verse 25 down to 33, we're going to see Jesus give some specific insight. All right. I'll, I'll stay in a New Living Translation for this. Verse 25 to 34 says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and drink or, or enough clothes to wear? Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you of, of far more value to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. If God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, how many of us need verse 34 mm -hmm. in the times that we live in there now? <coughs> but now, I'm looking at what he's saying here. So, are, you can look at this and, and ask the question, well, are we, uh, is he just telling us to neglect our day-to-day Tasks and responsibilities are our needs. So what do we see Jesus really doing here? And to, and to put the, the kingdom as a priority and he'll take care of the rest of the stuff. Okay. All right. So kingdom as a priority. So I'm thinking about what he said in the earlier verse about your eye being single, having a single perspective, right? So if my primary focus in life is to just enjoy him, mm -hmm. to, to do what he wants me to do, what he's designed me to do, if my chief goal is to spend time with him and to just enjoy his presence, then that opens me up to to be more receptive to to his voice. But now another question is, since we're talking about prayer being a dialogue instead of a monologue, how do we really hear? 
Okay. All right. Now one way is very easy. <laughs> there we go. We 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 doing we doing that right now. All right. All this red. Jesus still talking today. It's all red, all in red right here. We read his word. And it didn't come with an exp expiration date, did it? I've never heard an audible voice, but I've heard him speak to me a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot in my spirit. I hear people wanting audible voices, and I thought, boy, I've never had one. It would be nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. It'd be easier, I think, but but when you tune in, you can hear him, and he's talking all the time. <laughs> How many times have you heard someone say, something told me to not go down that street. Mm -hmm. Something told me to go to work a little earlier today. Well, something told me not to go in today. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, what do you think that is? That that can be the leader. That can be the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Could be. When I used to drive to work a long way, I used to, if I had a choice to make which road to go, I, when I when I had to stop at a stop sign or the light, I would say, "All right, Lord, wh which way do I go home today?" Because you never know, the devil might be down that road six miles with a drunk driver waiting to <coughs> t-bone you or something. Because the scripture says that he will lead and guide us in the mm -hmm. all truth. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at verse 28 and 29 again. Jesus is asking the question. Why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work will make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. So we see him making a point here. So Solomon, obviously he was king. So won't nobody better dressed than he was. But the lilies of the field, they didn't work for their, for their dressing, right? Nobody went out there and like put little sprinkling on them or polished <laughs> up their leaves or anything like that, right? So what so what what is he communicating here? That God will take real good care of you. Yeah. So verse thirty one. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. It says, therefore, do not worry or be anxious, perpetually uneasy, distra <clears throat> distracted, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? And what are we going to wear? For the pagan Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but do not worry, for your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So the second part of this, He's calling us to say, hey, you you trust me for all this. I got you. 
And this is going to be very powerful for a lot of people. And the way we're going right now in the country, with the, you know, people that used to pay $2 a gallon for gas, they're going to be paying 6 by July, they're saying. And so some of those people, especially single moms, single dads, uh, buying food and clothes is going to be a hardship. So this, this scripture, people, people need to get a hold of this and really start zeroing in on the Lord. To have all those things added supernaturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's real. Mm -hmm. I mean that that it is that, that is practical right now. And right now, it's, right now, this is this is it's coming up where you're going to have to have these scriptures and these these truths. Yeah. So I'm thinking about getting this getting this um and on the index card on my dashboard right above where my gas my gas meter is for real i mean because stuff like that you know you go about your day-to-day -day business and and you know it this stuff can kind of ear it, it can it can eat at you like this time a couple of years ago i i paid 20 dollars and my tank was pretty much mm -hmm. pretty much full now i'm paying twice that and i'm just getting three quarters of the mm -hmm. I can remember I was a single dad for three years and uh, I didn't have a minute left or a dollar left. Uh, you know, getting up early in the morning, making lunches, taking your kids to school, picking them up, uh, getting to work and getting clothes washed and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. My heart went out. I never thought about single mom, single dads until then. Mm -hmm. And my heart went out and I thought, oh my goodness. I've been praying for them now with this thing. We're in the middle of this inflation now. I've been praying for a lot of single moms and dads that make very little money. They're trying to feed their kids and get things done. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Looking looking back on my outline says, our perspective changes when we put God first by praising Him. Right. And now we talk. We've talked about the importance of praise and how it can be a weapon, right? So, but just practically speaking, how can we incorporate that more in our lives? Because I mean, because we talked, you know, we talked about the, the gas thing and we know what's going on in our world today. All of these shootings, all, all of this stuff. I mean, it, it, the intensity level of things is just continuing to increase. It's just a manifestation of what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Mm -hmm. We've seen it come to life before our very eyes. I mean, you know, there's a big emphasis on mental health and 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 well-being now. Like in in this, that's a part of the narrative now in media. And the reality is, people's people's minds, the pressure that the that life is placing on people is really having folks buckle because I, I guarantee you you talk to anybody long enough you're gonna find out that they're going through something there's something going on specifically with them or somebody very close to them mm -hmm. just serious things right so what Jesus is talking about here, this focus, it goes beyond our natural um, 
trusting him for our natural well-being, but just for the, the, the peace of mind. Because I can't find peace out there. I don't know how much, I don't know, it don't matter how much weed you smoke, how much wine you drink. And yeah, because there's always a morning after. So these words, we, you know, we are challenged to keep them in front of our face. So the, the pressures of life don't draw us away from this reality, because that's what the enemy wants to do. Is use these things as distractions. Or to get us to question the faithfulness of God. And once you trust him and you, and you see him come through, worry really leaves you. You don't worry. I can't remember the last time I worried about something. Uh, I, used to, I used to all the time. And in the last 20 years, I don't think I've worried about anything. Just trust him all the time. And things are, good things happen. Yeah. Now, how did you get there, though? Oh, yeah. Had to go. Had to go through some rough spots. But, but, but once you start laying things in his hands, and you really can leave them there, and then you really see what he's did, what he does, you start to get more relaxed and more trusting as time goes by. But I've been serving God fifty years, and the first twenty five was probably a big storm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. You get it. God gets a track record with you after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you said something too. You said putting God things in God's hands and leaving them there. Mm-hmm. See, I I know I've been guilty of that myself. Everybody, I, everybody I, has. Pick it back you, up. You 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 give it to him, <laughs> but then some things happen, and you 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 tiptoe over there and pick it right back up again. Right. But see, and and but that that goes along with the mm -hmm. the affair, the the affairs of life, the worries of life, the thing you know, just being in a in a sensic world, and having a parts of our own mind that are still unrenewed. He showed me one time. I was going through a really rough patch, and I was I was going to go pick up things in my own strength. And uh, what I what I was planning on doing, I could have ended up in jail. I mean, I was, and he he showed me. He said, "You lay it down and give it to me." He said, "And you can be confident I'll work on it." He said, "If you go over in your own flesh," he says, "I'm taking my hands off immediately, and, and I'm gonna leave it to you." And that's what I I said to him. I'm not qualified. I'm gonna leave this with you. But I learned now. And Terry and I we talk about this sometimes. Once you lay it down, don't pick it up again. Don't even think about picking it up again. Let God deal with it. And in the end, it'll work out. Even when it doesn't appear that it's working out, it works out. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to Philippians 4. We're going to start at verse 6. Another set of familiar scriptures here. Mm -hmm.
now. General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's a cool acronym. I like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, starting at verse 6. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. Philippians 4, 6 to 8. And it says, Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable, and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Now, looking at how the Passion puts it, this, this here. So he's, he's given a warning, don't be pulled in different directions. So obviously, that means that there's going to be temptations and, and that, that are going to try to pull you in different directions. Says don't be don't oh don't be worried about a thing. So worry obviously is a enemy, right? But look at the word he used here. It says be saturated in prayer. Now when you 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 think about something being saturated, what picture comes to mind? Soaked, overflowing, can't can't absorb anymore. Yeah. You ever um drop a a cloth or like a shirt a piece of clothing or something in water and that thing just kind of like gets all in the in 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 the water or whatever it is or let or use let's let's say some muddy like some muddy water or something like that and it's it sits there for a while then you find it and it's just like soaked how hard is it to get that mud and stuff out of that that cloth or that piece of clothing. It's saturated. It's saturated, right. right? So getting that picture, it takes me <clears> to what Paul what Paul was saying to the church of Thessalonica. It says, pray without ceasing. So it's like a consistent day-to-day -day dialogue. Because we, we already established that prayer is a dialogue and not a monologue. So if we have that concept of prayer, we, we definitely can be in prayer without, without ceasing. Mm -hmm. We talking to him mm -hmm. and we waiting to listen to him. Mm -hmm. We talking and we open to hear. And he'll go anywhere you want to go. You can say, come on, let's go, let's go to the grocery store. And he'll say, yeah, come on, I'm with you. I mean, that, it's, it's that easy. Mm -hmm. He'll hang out with you all day long as if you're inviting him. Yeah. I tell you what, he got Alexa beat, I tell you. <laughs> he knows all, right. all the answers. We That's gave right. Alexa away. <laughs> Alexa started talking to us when we weren't talking to her. All right. Now, I like the word picture, though, because you think about Alexa. If, you, if you're if used to having that in your house, you know, you'll like, you could just think, Alexa, what, what time does such and such store close? And she'll tell you. All right. You want to know what the weather is tomorrow? Yeah. Alexa. 
What's the weather tomorrow? It's a really good example. And she'll tell you. We gave right? you Alexa, right? You got you got the water Alexa? Uh-huh. Right. Does she talk to you when you're not talking to her? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. And why? Because she's listening. Because <laughs> you say something, you you just be talking to somebody else, and then yeah. she'll blurt out something. Yeah. And, and it's like, I won't even talk to you. Uh-huh. But she's listening, right? Now, does it matter what time of day you talk to her? Mm-mm. No, you could wake up three o'clock in the morning and be like, Alexa. She never sleeps. What's you, the, don't, you don't have to say wake up. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the, what's the um, traffic right now? I should tell you. So if if Alexa is is that available to you, how much more is the Holy Spirit? Amen. Who loves you? Who, Amen. Who is, who is the, the the inspiration behind the words that we read in this in these sixty six books? It wasn't programmed by some sinister beings. <laughs> yeah, so we see Terry. Well, she Alexa. don't she don't have no love. You can ask yeah. Alexa a question, <laughs> and then when you go in, and then you go on YouTube, and stuff you talk to her about will be on YouTube. My it's like get out of here. here just to drive me nuts. That's why I gave. That's why I gave I Alexa and Mason. Yeah. But you see the picture, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And see, and and that's the if if we maintain that type of uh, connection or understanding of of God being ever present, then that's going to put us in a place where we're more sensitive to to be led by Him. But again, you know, that's that's something that's not it's not going to come by. Osmosis. We labor to enter into the rest. And that's that that's the real labor that we have is to enter into his rest and stay there. Because the enemy wants you restless. Because restlessness leads to worry, anxiety, fear, confusion, and all these things. And once these, you know, all of that is in operation, then that leads to the workings of the flesh. Going back to my outline, it says, I'm looking at point two. Point A says, many of our cares cease being problems. Many of our cares cease being problems. Now I'm looking at it, I say, come on, Andrew, for real? What do you mean when you say that? But think about it. What do you, what do you think he's conveying with that statement? Because the first point is our perspective changes when we put God first by praising him. The next point is many of our cares cease being problems anymore. They go in their proper place as you're praising God. When you get his perspective, mm-hmm. how you see things can change. When we see things the way he sees things, he doesn't worry, so we shouldn't have to either. Mm. And how many times you get into a situation where you're tempted to stress over something? And instead, you just get by yourself and start praising God and thanking Him, and that's all gone. When you when by the time you're done, you don't have that stress anymore. 
You don't even know where it went. It's just gone. Because one thing that you're you're doing when you commit yourself just to you know continue to praise him for who he is and for what he's what he's already done for just being able to be in relationship with him with him it's it's a perspective change it's a shift in focus and what what happens a lot of times is when things hit us. And again, I'm I'm guilty of this, and I, and in my profession, I see it all the time. When there's a stressor that that presents itself, if I spend my time thinking about that stressor, mm -hmm. I roll it over in my head. It gets bigger, right? There, there, this big word called rumination, right? So when I'm like I'm chewing on a thing, spit it spit it up a little bit and chew on it some more. Like cows do this, All right? So when you just you just chewing on something over and over again, it it really it just magnifies it because if it's focus, right? You have a stronghold in your thinking too. Yeah, yeah. Because think about it. It's like you're the more you're you're focused on something. Let's take you know some type of offense. Somebody, something hurts you. Now you roll it over in your head. You're thinking over it. You're thinking about it from this, this perspective, that perspective. Right? Not in the sense of trying to come to any type of resolution, but you're just rehearsing the hurt. It's like building a house. You're building brick by brick. The more, the more time you spend on the job, the more bricks you lay, how much bigger that house is going to be. So it's like a big, it can become a big fortress. And we, we use that word strongholds. So it could be one small thing that grows up to be a castle. And a lot of times when you're stressing about something, especially if it's in the future, and you keep, it really works on you. And when you finally get to where you have to face it, it wasn't anything like the stress said it was going to be. In other words, you get there, you face it head to head, and you say, man, what was I worried about that for? It was just Satan magnifying something tiny to make you really crazy about it. Mm -hmm. Ever happened to you? Probably. Probably? Times, like, a lot of times. <laughs> mm -hmm. You just make it bigger in your own mind than it is. And, and this is why... Allowing, you know, God's perspective, mm -hmm. his word to, to interrupt that pattern. Yeah. You know, if some, if, if something provokes fear, then I, I got a couple of options. I can allow that thought to drive me to a certain place. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. And what if this? And what if that? And those what if thoughts, they continue to build this fortress of anxiety. Or something hits me and it's like, oh, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The Lord said, he is my shepherd and I shall not want. Mm -hmm. He leadeth me down green pastures. 
Beside still and restful waters, he restores my soul. Right, so I I am taking God's word and I am interrupting that thought. I'm holding it captive. I'm not allowing it to grow upon itself. Because if I if I do, we're gonna see what is the result gonna be. Increased worry and anxiety. And that stuff, it, it can get to a point where it just it, it affects your body. You know, your heart rate goes up, blood mm. pressure is high, all this type of stuff. So when we talk about prayer and meditation and all this type of stuff, it, it has practical benefits. It has benefits on all three levels, spirit, soul, and body. Spiritually, you're reminding yourself of who you are and who God is and what he has for you. In your mind, you're diverting your thoughts away from the negativity and the, the, the confusion and the worry. And that has a direct effect on your physical body, on its functioning. Because it's, it's amazing how much stress plays a role in this sickness and illness in our physical bodies. And, you know, doctors and, and you know, scientists, they are yeah, more and more this this is being revealed. The impacts of stress. And this is why the, the whole spa self-care industry is booming, mm -hmm. right? Because all the all the care that is out there, all the distress and worry. And now these things are good. I promote this stuff, like, you know, going and getting a massage and all that type of stuff. But it's not going to speak to your soul, mm -hmm. your mind, will, and emotions when all this crazy stuff is going on in the world and you got stuff in your own house that you're dealing with. That massage is going to feel good for about a half hour until you get home and hear something crazy. Right? So... I don't care what nobody say. God's word is extremely practical. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If you're good at putting out fires, uh, taking care of problems, eventually you don't even lean on the Lord anymore. You just lean, lean on yourself and you start running out there. And But eventually those things will over, overcome you. No matter how good you are at it, sooner or later, there'll be too many for you to deal with. And if you haven't been if you haven't learned how to cast your care, you're going under. That's good. Yeah. And catch, casting your care is not something that comes natural. It's something you have to work at. Mm -hmm. Next point of our outline says, as we spend time with him, with the Lord, his attitude becomes our attitude. Mm -hmm. And the entire way we think will change. When God is our source, we won't have to worry about fixing our own problems. There you go. Now, when I read that, how, how many times can we say we've heard that statement and are... There's something in us that bucks against that. Mm -hmm. 
because you feel as if you're being irresponsible. Or that you don't care. Yeah, that's definitely one. And a lot of people, it's patience. They can't give it to God and wait. They got to go do it, take care of it right now. I'll show him. I'm going down there right now. We're going to take care of this. And it, that's the last thing you should be doing. Yeah. And, and certain types of trouble will push the old button to do mm -hmm. that. Too. It will. Been there, done that. Point three says, when we put God first and love him, there will be a supernatural flow in our finances and we won't have to ask him for financial help. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I'm like, Lord, Andrew, why don't you just, you know, if you could just lay hands on, on us and give us that anointing and we can just walk in that, that will be cool. Why I got to do all this mind renewal? This hard. But I do chuckle, and this isn't a criticism of Andrew. All these people that preach that, they, they don't ask God for money. They just ask their partners. <laughs> that does bother me because... Then you ask God, I'll ask you. We, there's this person that we like in ministry, and he ended up having a back surgery and didn't have any insurance. So he just sent out an email to all the people and asked for money. I said, well... Honey, that's our problem. We don't have an email. We don't have a, a list. We don't have a donor list. We don't have partner. So the rest of us have to make our request known unto God, which is what the Word says, but a lot of ministers let their needs be known to their partners. But, but, and I see that as a little bit hypocritical, but, we, but then I do know that there is a role for partners. If you go in purposely right, right. into partnership with a ministry, right. there is a certain agreement there. But, yeah. but we've done this. I remember when you were teaching school. I mean, you were a school teacher. I was a handyman. And we used to say, how are we ever going to retire? We'll never have enough money to retire. We're going to be on the poverty list. And uh, I remember we were talking. I said, well, we're just going to keep giving. And we're just going to trust God. And when we finally retired, when neither one of us were working, we were making more money than we had when we worked. God worked it out. God just moved supernaturally in our behalf. So you, you have to know. It isn't what Terry's saying, isn't that like similar to what's become popular when somebody has a struggle they themselves or they would do it for somebody else, they do a GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good point. <laughs> you know, and um I don't know, I've just thought about that. I mean, is is that a godly di direction to go? I think it could be if you were led to do it, but for the most part probably not. But it could be. Yeah, that seems like one of those things that, you know, the Holy Spirit, if, if it's just like Gene said, because we are, especially when we talk about fellow believers, you know, we, we're called to look out for each other, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but, you know, Terry going to give me a hot water talking the way she is <laughs> about... <laughs> The, you know, the whole ministry partner thing, because I, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of issues with that. And this is in this stuff and people have get, have, have really 
falling out with the church behind this type of stuff, you know. Um, but, you know, but the reality is if we look at the word, you know, it just because you in ministry, it doesn't exempt you from going to the Lord first and asking him, oh, like, okay, how do, how do you have me to receive what I need? All right. Now, some, the Lord is saying, hey, you have people that are connected with you, that are, that are going to support you. That's Galatians 6. But you got other folks that got marketing teams that say, hey, you put out a letter this time of the month about this link, mm -hmm. and, you, you, and you're estimated to get X, Y, Z amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. Those marketing know? guys only want 10% of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you pay us an extra X, Y, Z, then, you know, we can we can give you the bonus package and we can we can also supply you with it with, you know, what see, there's a lot of gimmicks yeah, and a lot is. of things that you can use to massage and manipulate people. Well, the givers are the ones who have to seek God for the finances to give. Right. Right. You know, and that and, and that's a that's a real issue. And this is why a lot of people have fallen out with ministry, especially when, you know, in, in reference to finances and stuff like this. It hasn't hit us yet. We've been given to some of them almost 40 years. In fact, when they call us to pray, they say, man, you've been a partner a long time since, since before you were born, son. <laughs> All, right. All right. Since we started with Matthew 6, Okay, how do we, how do we reconcile this in our hearts, though? When there's a appeal that's made to say, "Hey, will you support X Y Z mission or X Y Z ministry?" How do how do we respond biblically? Not out of bitterness. But now out of, you know, um, I don't want to use the word gullibleness. I don't even know if that's a word, but indiscriminately, right? How do, how do we reconcile that? We pray. Sometimes the Lord says give, sometimes he doesn't. He used to tell me to give so much that I didn't want to give. So I would answer him and say, well, I'm going to go home and ask my wife if, if, if we can give away that much money. Thinking to myself, ain't no way. And I'll go home and say, yeah, I was talking to the Lord today, honey. And he was saying to give the X amount to so-and-so. And she would say, I was thinking the same thing. <coughs> and I'd, I'd be thinking, man, I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. we ended up doing it. God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. I'm just honest with him I'm all the time. Ready to do it. I'm just honest with him all the time. I think he likes that. Okay. He and I have had some discussions about money. Okay. All right. Since we talking about, let me let me just go to let's go to Galatians six so we can read it. And we're gonna start at verse six. And go down to verse nine. Well, actually, we go to go down to verse ten. All right. 
I'll read that in the New Living Translation. It says, Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So right here, we got clear instruction, this new covenant instruction about the, you know, giving to ministry, I mean, giving to leaders, right? And it's the enemy's job to, to try to get you offended and cut off from a, 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 a connection that the Lord wants you to be a part of in reference to ministry, whatever, whether it's a home group, whether it's a house church, whether it's a local church down the street, whether it's a global ministry, whatever the case may be. The enemy's job is to keep you cut off from that divine connection. Because if he can get you offended and get you tired, put out another scandal, so-and-so ministered, got another yacht. We saw it, <laughs> we saw it yesterday, you know. And you and you hearing stories about people not having baby formula. You think that's that that stuff is the media ain't doing out there because they just want to 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 give you information. There's a there's an agenda behind that. Oh, behind everything. No, the enemy has definitely has an agenda behind it. Mm -hmm. They get you offended. And it cut off the, the, the financial supply that has been put in place. And that's when hearing God is so valuable. I remember one time I was at a, a fast food restaurant with my granddaughter. And this guy came in. He was walking around asking people for money. He looked like a pirate. I mean, he had a big mustache and a funny looking hat. And my very first thought in the flesh when he walked by, by me was, I wouldn't give that guy a nickel. And, and he was walking around, so finally, uh, as time went by, a couple of minutes went by, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to give him $50. And I said, you got to be kidding. You give that dude 50 bucks? That's like throwing it in the trash. And the Lord just would not let me go. I had to give that guy $50. Hmm. So God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And, I mean, if you follow him, you'll be all right. If you follow your own thoughts, you're in trouble. Because, I mean, you follow that train of thought, right? You just follow that. Now, the $50, like you said, your first reaction is like, I ain't giving that joke nothing. No, not a cent. Right? Uh -huh. Right? And I can, and just, just looking back at the physical appearance, mm -hmm. I can, my, my mind can come up with a lot of logical reasons yep. why, why I shouldn't I, give. Absolutely. It's like, man, this joke ain't going to do nothing but, but, you know, get him a couple of dime bags or something. That's all he's going to get. <laughs> 
get some get some weed <laughs> or you know go to the ABC store yeah you know, get them some Crown Raw or something <laughs> ain't doing nothing but yeah. that I need gas <laughs> right I mean all that stuff is stuff we going oh, yes. I'm not this real talk that's the battle that's the battle right but the Lord may have in mind for you to give that man fifty dollars and let's say that man goes to to use that towards getting them a room at a local motel because he just got evicted from his place. And he goes in that room and some 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 believer left a track in there. And then he's he's just sitting there looking at this track and then it's just distraught in this situation. And he's like, oh screw all this. Goes to bed and wakes up in that same room and then some some Holy Ghost field housekeeper comes in. <laughs> right? And they get to talk and the next that's thing you know. Stuff works. And that that's next thing you know, they, they, they this woman gets to witness into them. Mm-hmm. And this person gets born again. How did that chain of events get started? Mm-hmm. That man getting that fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. And just like just like Jean said, our thoughts. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Mm-mm. We see through a glass darkly. You know, and that's why this whole, this spirit-led life, man, it's not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. Right? For it's real. Risky. Because it, it just goes against everything logical. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes it goes against just yeah. you know, anything, anything logical. Because you can come up with a thousand and one reasons why not to give somebody something. Because of the very people who would go out there and just shoot up? Take your money and give you a give you a, the the baddest sour sob story you ever heard, <laughs> just to get some heroin. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to say it like that. Heroin <laughs> or some other type of illicit drug, All right? But again, we talking about prayer and. When we, when you know, folks that spend time with the Lord and have that dialogue with Him, they're in a better position to hear that type of instruction. And when you, when you hear that type of instruction and follow through on it, the the fruit that that comes is, you know, it's undeniable. My point is, you got to make room for His opinion in everything. Even like when you said, even when everything in you is screaming, no, no, you got to, you got to say, Lord, what's your draw on this thing? What do I need to do? Yeah, that's right. Because right. I've had to happen way more than once. Looking back at our outline, it says, Instead of pleading or even asking God for money, we should meditate on scriptures regarding finances and worship and fellowship with him. He will supernaturally add everything we need. Now see, that's a big one right here. And it basically, what is he talking about? He's just talking about trans, transforming, renewing the mind. Allowing their mind to be renewed. 
because if I go back to Matthew 6 and talk, you know, and, and just listen to what Jesus is saying, say, he said, don't worry about all this stuff. I got you. Mm -hmm. So if he, if I truly believe, okay, he got me, then what type of freedom is that giving me? Freedom to hear him. Because when we're stressed and anxious, it's very difficult to hear. Yeah. And that's big. Because stress and anxiety, it's like spiritual earwax. That's when you have to start screaming, your sheep know your voice. Bye. <laughs> we learned that this year, didn't the last few I years. I have a sheep. I know because your voice. Because math was never my strongest subject. And so I had to do algebra and some geometry with him that I had not done in my education. We would rely on the Holy Spirit. And sometimes he always wants to understand how things work. He has very good perception and, and concepts of the way math works. And so he doesn't want to just, okay, I memorized that formula so I can pass the test. He wants to understand why the formula works, the nuts and bolts. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we didn't discover that. So we would pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show us things and I can't think of maybe one or two things that we haven't seen, but it didn't happen right then. But we learned, be patient, don't stress, that you don't have the answer now. Just set it aside, and he'll show us. And then we would have those light bulb moments, and we would just sit there and laugh and say, That's cool. yeah, light bulb. <laughs> That's cool. But we learned not to stress, not to get upset. I could tell when he was yeah. learning, when he came down from the, from the homeschool room, I put my hands like this on his head, and if it was warm, I knew that his brain was working. Huh. He never stopped. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. But, and see, but that's the, the, you know, the practical manifestation of what, you know, we're talking about here. Because mm -hmm. there, there, there is a reality that when your emotions are elevated to a certain place, yeah. you know, it's, it's difficult to to concentrate, to focus, and to make sound decisions. And this is why the enemy has a, a, a vested interest in having our emotions out of control. Because when your emotions are out of control, your cognitive processes are not mm -hmm. online. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking with your frontal lobe. The enemy wants you to work on that base level of the flesh, on instinct, carnal instinct. And um, in Mark um, chapter nine, when the the father was um, petitioning to Jesus, you know, he he had the son, you know, was was being thrown to the fires with water, and and then Jesus, uh, and he sought Jesus for help, and and Jesus said, you know, all things possible to those who believe and the father replied he said i believe but help my unbelief now this i mean this is was before the new testament was written of course i guess jesus is actually performing the new testament how would that apply today is that a 
I guess, is that a, um, good, a scriptural prayer for today? I would say absolutely. Absolutely. Let me read it. Let's go to, all right. So let's go to yeah, Mark 9. And the reason I asked it like that, because this father, he don't have anything to read. Like we have, you know, we got, you know, all the gospels and then all the letters and everything to read. And he didn't have anything, but mm -hmm. okay. All right. So I'm going to start at verse 16. All right. Uh, this, this is in red. This first part says, what is all this argument about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, withering and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he, since he was a little boy, the spirit also often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Verse 23. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. Verse 24. The father instantly cried out, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Now see, you see how the man cried out. The father says, I do believe, but help my, help overcome my unbelief. So he's making a profession of faith, but he's acknowledging the, the doubt that has been produced by his natural experience. Wasn't it Ken Pagan who said you can have faith in your heart and doubt in your mind? Yeah. Yeah. And he took he took this kid to the disciples, and they couldn't do it. And then Jesus chastised them, said, "You faithless generation, how long do I have to be with you? How, how long shall I suffer you?" And he said, "Bring him to me." In other words, he was he was rebuking the disciples, I think. Yeah. And see, and this is why, because we're talking about you know what. This father has experienced. He's seen his son go through this for years, day after day, for years. And then when he saw the disciples couldn't do it, that had to add the unbelief right there. Right. It's like, okay, these, these Jesus boys, and, yeah, they, and they can't yeah. and they can't get the job done either. Really? But then he comes face to face with Jesus. 
he acknowledges who he is. But it's like, I I need your help because I've been seeing this boy go through this for years. And he's probably prayed for the kid a thousand times. So right here, and really all I see is in, in a a pure act of humility of being him being honest about where he is. Mm -hmm. The profession of faith, I do believe, but help my unbelief. He's not hiding the fact that, you know, I I'm 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 having trouble with this. Because of everything that he's seen with his physical eyes over and now we ain't talking about one time or twice. We talking about over and over again. So I definitely say this is, is this is applicable for us today. Because the reality is, how many of us are still facing challenges that the scripture says we ain't supposed to be dealing with? But for whatever reason, whatever variables have been in place, there, there are obstructions to the promise being fully fulfilled in our lives, right? I was watching Oral Roberts one time and a lady brought her little boy to him. And I forget what it was, but this kid had something terrible. And Oral Roberts looked at her and said, I don't know if I have the faith to pray for him. And the woman looked at Oral Roberts and said, Oral Roberts, you just pay for my boy. I have the faith to believe God will heal him. And when he did, God healed the kid. Right. Wow. Wow. See. But he was saying, help my unbelief. Oral Roberts was. When mm -hmm. he, whatever he, this kid had was terrible. And that speaks to the, the, the power of agreement. Mm -hmm. right. And this and, and we talked about this before. This is why the enemy has a vested interest in division. Because where you Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. In the midst. <laughs> Wanna put a thousand to flight to ten thousand. Now I want to keep reading, he says. In verse 27, going back to verse 27, it says, But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can be cast out only by prayer. Now that we know the King James says prayer and fasting. Right? So now... It can only be cast out by prayer or prayer and fasting. So what type, what is, what are we talking about? Unbelief. Right. We're not talking about certain spirits right. in particular. we talking about unbelief. unbelief because that's the real enemy is the unbelief. Because Jesus said that he, he has given us authority to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all the mm -hmm. power of the enemy. So if you are a believer, that authority is yours regardless. You get that just because it's based on association, because of who you know. But now the reason we don't exercise that or we're not able to see it come to pass, come to fruition is what? One of them, I'm not going to say this is not the only variable, one of the variables is unbelief. It is not about having weak faith and all this type of stuff. You know, people trying to 
we see the unbelief that's there. It's a counterbalance. Just like what the father, this father was going through in this scripture. Because he, he's, he, he's, he knows what, who Jesus is mm -hmm. and, and the miracles that are associated with his name. But yet, he has, he has this, this mental Rolodex of, of all of this turmoil that he's seen his son go through for years. That's the counterbalance. That unbelief that is fighting against it. That faith in God's manifestation. And when the disciples couldn't do it, that had to really add to his unbelief. All right, go ahead. So, um, so I'm comparing now these passages of scripture along with Matthew chapter 13. <clears throat> so the difference, would you say the difference is in Matthew chapter 13, they did not, as you say, humble themselves and ask for help for their unbelief. All right, go specific. Matthew 13. Um, it's late. Let's see. Uh, 50, 58. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is. Um, all right, let's go there. All right. I'm going to start at verse 53. All right. Says when in New Living Translation says when Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned back to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, "Where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles?" Then they scoffed, "He's just a carpenter's son. We know where his mother and his brothers, James, Joseph." Simon and Judas, all his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Now going back there, Verses 53, I mean, 55, 56, 54. There's a big difference between their response to Jesus mm -hmm. and, that, and that father's response to Jesus. The father didn't question Jesus of, of his authority and his ability. They did. And what is the end result? Only a few miracles there because of the unbelief. That's because only a few people asked him because the rest of them didn't believe it. He right. Didn't do it. They, they, they did not they did not acknowledge who was in their midst. It's not mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people misunderstood it, to me it's not that he didn't heal people that were there. He healed everybody that came to him. But if you think he's a quack, you're not even going to go. Right. Well, they were still saying he's the illegitimate son of Mary and Joseph. So, so they were looking down on him like, why would I go to him? That's what they were thinking. 
because he, they didn't honor who Jesus was. If I went back to my hometown, that's what they'd be thinking. How would I want him to pray for me? <laughs> yeah, he just worked at the shipyard. What you talking about? He ain't nobody. I, I used to shoot pool with his cousin. He ain't nobody, right? So if you don't, if you don't honor the vessel, guess what? Mm -hmm. How much can you receive from the vessel if you don't honor it? It wasn't that Jesus couldn't do the works. It was it was that not many people believed that he could, and they didn't even ask him to, and they were they were running him down before he ever got there. So we see the true enemy here. The true hinderer is unbelief. Unbelief. <clears throat> unbelief, and that's why the enemy does not want you spending no time in this word, especially. Listening to some teaching around some believers that can help help you break stuff down and understand it. That's kind of this probably the same kind of unbelief that Zacharias had, right? Hmm. When the angel struck him deaf. Yeah. Because I can see it. I can see it. It wasn't honoring Mary. On the other hand, received she she had a question, not that. He was going to do what this, say, but how, it was, how, how can this be? How can this be? Right. Her heart yeah. was right. Mm -hmm. There was no unbelief there. She just wanted to know the way he was going to do it. All right. All right. a difference between saying, wow, you really can do that? <laughs> Versus, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. You ain't going to do that. Yeah, sure. You really going to do <laughs> sure. that? Yeah. Remember how old we are? Mm -hmm. All right. It's different. So I'm going to close with these last few points from the outline. Yeah, Lord, don't be talking back to angels. Mm -mm. <laughs> mm -mm, no, angels, angels. Right. Don't make them mad. No. <laughs> right. They kick butt and take names. <laughs> so prayer is, prayer is primarily for loving God, yes. not getting our needs met. When we magnify God, we discover how insignificant our problems really are and that 90% of what we've been obsessing over is unimportant. Yes. And again, see, but this, this takes this takes a certain level of communion and mm -hmm. fellowship to come to that place where you, it you know, does. where you can yes. can really say that. It does. And mean it and sit there. Because I'm telling you everything everything in our flesh and in this world around us is pulling you away from that. All right. Next point, if we quit asking him for things and just start loving him, we start seeing everything in our lives change for the better. The Lord did say, ask and you shall receive, but it's not what prayer is all about. If loving and communion, communing with God isn't our primary purpose in prayer, we're missing out on what Christianity, Christianity is all about. Mm -hmm. all right. So, because we have a a father that has already, who knows our needs and has already supplied them. He is just calling us to enjoy him and trust mm -hmm. in him mm -hmm. and allow him to lead us down the paths to see the full manifestation of what he has for us. Trusting him and letting him guide us. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again. We'll see you next week. Good night. Good night, guys. Good night. Good class. <laughs>